Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at Zenni.com. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Well, hello, Simon Provan. I feel like I haven't seen you in, in weeks. It's true. I was thinking about that on the way over, Baxter, of how long has it been? I, I don't know if it's because of all the soccer that I'm watching and then not talking about it with somebody. <laughs> Maybe. That, that's uh, what it is. Well, because you and I talk pretty much every day, but the last couple of days, I almost feel like you've been ignoring me because you've been a busy guy, which is totally <laughs> fine. But I've been like, you walked in today and I'm like... I feel like it's been ages, even though it's True. only been a week. We had a show last week. We, we talked last week, but it just feels too long. Yeah. Far too long, but I'm so glad that uh, you're here and I'm here and uh, all of you are here listening as well. We've got a great show in store for you today. It's our 50th show, 50th. Simon. 50th. 50th. 5-0. And to celebrate, Baxter, yes. we've actually made it easy now for our listeners to find us on the web. It's a beautiful thing. So we had that crazy long website name before. Well, we're officially registered Put up the dough, thanks Woo. to our sponsorship from shopfutsal.com. Now you can officially find us at twoupfrontsoccer.com. That's, That's it. it. Nothing else. That's it. No two wicks, up front no soccer. slashes, nope. no underscores, umlaus, anything. It's just twoupfrontsoccer.com. That's it. I love that. It's that makes so much easier to so say. so much easier. <laughs> and have people were like writing it down, like, wait, there's the, what is the wicks? Then there's another dot, and it's like, whatever. It's it matches like, and tents, and <laughs> they're going camping, <laughs> looking Woo, for it's us. Like, what the heck? Up on the top of Mount Everest, I found two up front! <laughs> yeah! No, that's not it. Anyway, we're excited. We're glad to be here. Uh, we have two special guests, maybe three, maybe more. We never know. We have so many different interviews on in store for you today. We do have Justin Davis of Minnesota United. He will be here in our next segment. I uh, get to go and chat with him about the jump from an ASL to MLS as well, and just get an idea of what life is like for the loons. The loons! Well. And uh, Sky Blue FC's Kim DeCarce as well will be here a little bit later on for our Women's Soccer Spotlight. We chatted with Christy Holly a couple weeks ago, and now we get to chat to one of his players as well and see just uh, if his crazy antics carry over to the players as well, too. So we'll see. Sky Blue has been fairly good so far this season, but... Yeah. Uh, Kind of that dark horse team this year so far. So, But either way, we're excited. Uh, we've got a lot of different things to talk to today. Uh, if you enjoy listening to the show, we do want to remind you that you can check out the show at 11.30 a.m. Central Time on the Sports Podcasting Network. Go to sportspodcastingnetwork.com, and you can find the show on demand as well on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com. Yes, you can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Two Up Front, and you'll see, I wouldn't say our lovely faces, but you'll see our faces, <laughs> or at least our name. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Two Up Front Soccer, and he is at Baxter Colburn. I'm at Simon Proven. And I'll tell you, Baxter, 
some fun people that we reached out to this week that have reached out to us as well that yeah. hopefully in the coming weeks we will have on our show thanks to those uh, Twitter accounts. Yes. And, uh, you know, for those listeners out there who want to reach out to us, feel free to, to reach us that way. Absolutely. I, during the Copa, I'm, I'm very, uh, very busy tweeting what I can, especially during the U.S. games. Mm-hmm. Um, although, sad to say, Baxter... I went to DVR the last U.S. game because ah. I was busy with the family. Sure, of course. Got home and about the, I think this is the fourth time now that the DVR has not worked. I gave an angry call to my I bet dish you did. provider. I bet and you did. <laughs> like, this is absurd. Yes, but thankfully it did air a little bit later that day. I think at like 3 a.m. So it's it's in the box. I there got to go. see the last uh, last 40 minutes. I need to go back and watch the first 60. I'll tell you what, you didn't miss much. It was a very boring 4-0 win. Is that right? Very well, boring. Hey, at least they... A win's a win, get, obviously. Right. And we'll obviously get to that a little bit right, later on right. when we talk about that and uh, review the Copa America as a whole and see how our brackets are doing too, maybe, Simon. But a uh, couple of different things that we're going to do here during uh, our first segment called The Kick Around. One of the things we need to talk about uh, right away is actually something we're going to be doing live tomorrow night, Friday night. Um, well, tonight, technically, as you listen to this, we're recording this on Thursday. Spoiler. Anyway, um, the Milwaukee Torrent are having their first big kickoff party of the season before their first home game, which will be on June 11th. They're going to be at Brenner Brewing. We're going to be there doing a live show, so you can listen to the show live on Spreaker.com. We go on the air about 7 we get off the air whenever they kick us off the stage. That's right. No, it'll be about... That's part of the kickoff party, right? Exactly, Kicking us yeah, off the so stage. kick us off the <laughs> stage. Now, we'll be there until about 8.30, 8.45, depending on how closely we stay to the schedule. But you can listen to it live. We'll have interviews with head coach Andy Davi, some players, the Milwaukee Barons, the Flood. We'll preview the game. We've got everything going on for you. It's going to be a great, great time, honestly, Simon. Yeah, and we're excited to have two up front represented there, but also... Unintentionally, this relationship that is built yeah. between us and the Barons and the, and the Torrent and probably starting with the Flood and, and, you know, what else will come of this? But for those of you who don't know, Baxter and I do the play-by-play and color analysis for the, as the broadcast mm-hmm. team for the Torrent. And we're excited about tomorrow. You know, there's supposed to be a lot of people there. They've sold over 500 season tickets. Which is amazing. And for those of you outside of Milwaukee who, who think, well, 500 season tickets for a professional soccer club, this is a fourth division team. Yeah. And, and this is showing that this town is serious they are. about professional and soccer. And I think that's amazing that we're starting to see people set their differences aside and really start to rally around a true professional team. Not some of these semi-pro, we play, we've got enough, whatever league. No. This is a true professional league in the American soccer system that has a very good chance if the right backing and the right support is there to actually be a top-level team at some point in the near future. Absolutely. Which yeah. I think is fantastic. So congratulations to Andy Davi and all of his hard work. I just I can't imagine what he goes through on a daily basis, honestly. It's incredible. So congratulations to him, and we're excited to be there as well, too. Game time on Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff at the Elon Soccer Park here in Milwaukee. Come check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Simon's going to be the official hype man before the game. He'll be down <laughs> up by the, by the fans, hooping and hollering, making announcements, and getting people fired up for the game. Something else people are probably fired up for as well, Simon. Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy. Start, Is, he really? might be moving. He might he, be leaving Leicester City. No, he's not. Why not? He, I mean, there's there's rumors, though. It's, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Aside from all the great soccer that's being played, the transfer mill is moving and grooving, and people yes, are yes. loving it. And right now, Jamie Vardy... Looks like he might be going to well, the Emirates. Well, that's, that's been that's been the talk of the uh, of the soccer world, hasn't it? But yes. Lester came out and offered Vardy a hundred thousand pound per week contract to try to keep. I him remember there. when I made hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> well, that's pounds, pounds, so that pounds, would be what one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, something like that. Something yeah. like that yeah. A week. 
A week, right. And it's interesting to me that in the English press, it's always the contracts are always talked about what they're earning per week. That's and the big thing, though. It is. And when my brother Steve was playing professionally indoor back in the uh, height of the indoor days, sure. the contracts were always negotiated of per month. So it was similar to that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I've yeah. never heard of the per month deal. I've yeah. always heard per week, too. I mean... Hmm. Yeah, and that, I think that was because they were always, I believe, seven month or eight month contracts. Okay. So that's why they talk. But that but anyways, sense. no, I I think Vardy's going to stay at Leicester because here's the thing, Baxter, he's going to be thirty, mm-hmm. and you and people could say, well, well, listen, you're going to be thirty, so this is your your last opportunity to go to a big club. Sure. He's at a big club. He is. He's at a club that won, won the Premier League. Well, he is. Wait, well, wait, <laughs> what? Let, let me just finish this. The biggest thing, though, is that if he goes to Arsenal, you know, Arsenal wants him there to compete with Giroud. Yeah. He doesn't need to go and compete with anybody. If he does that, and let's say he loses that competition, the biggest thing, this is my overall point, sure. is he may lose his place on the English squad. Hmm, interesting. If he stays at Leicester and he's the main man, he is going to stay with England. Interesting. No, I can certainly see that. I, my my big thing with this, though, is that if, if Leicester City has their way, obviously they'll retain as many players as they can. But if every other club in Europe has their way, they're going to completely void this Leicester City team of all their good players. And that's a, that's a good point Almost as well. Almost every top player, I mean, even the mid-level players at Leicester City are all rumored to go elsewhere. There's so many different teams that with bigger clubs, bigger names that are throwing millions and millions of pounds at these Leicester City players saying, look, that's great that you did this great little Premier League thing, but you know, next year when the reality sets back in, why don't you come play for Bayern Munich, come play for Arsenal, play for Man City and all that thing? Which, not to say that Leicester City can repeat. I really think that's a very difficult thing to do. Oh, sure it is. I mean, in yeah. any sport, no yeah, matter right, what, obviously. Right. But I, I think that... I think Vardy moving to Arsenal would be a good idea because Arsenal has been void of a true prolific striker since a guy named Thierry Henry was on that team. And a guy like Olivier Giroud for France has been minimal. He continues to get booed because he's not Karim Benzema at the Euros. Right, right. My my one thing I would say back to that, and I know we'll, we'll move on to the next player we're going to talk about, um, is that he stays at Leicester, as I said. He's he's the main man. And just because clubs want these players and there's rumors out there doesn't mean these players are going to move. Let's not forget, and I've talked about this before, Leicester's going to have a windfall of about £150 million, million pounds from just making the Champions League and, and all the money that comes with it from extra sales. We haven't heard anybody else, though, really trying to come to Leicester City yet, though. I mean, when was the last time we heard Leicester City rumored as bringing in somebody? Well, Everybody's we, trying to we, leave. We haven't, of course, because it was just this last season that, oh, they, that they won. That. That they won the league, but I mean, obviously that would be a good uh, it would be a good bargaining chip. Like, say, hey, we're Premier League champs. Come on over here sure. and play for us. But everybody seems to still want to be. Well, I on don't their think Leicester. I think Leicester's looking at this in a way that why do we need to change things up? If True. they can keep who's there, why do they need to change True. things up? I what agree. they need to do is add depth. That's the big that thing is for the Leicester. Big thing. Yeah, I think they need another Jamie Vardy caliber guy. I mean, I know when he was gone, they still found ways to score goals. Absolutely. But yeah. Jamie Vardy, I mean, he's a fantastic player. And he's 30. He's not going to be around for the rest of you know existence. I mean, he'll be gone in the next five to six years if he stays really healthy at the you know, at the most. Sure, so sure. Bringing in another guy, uh, if you're a Leicester at least, try to find a younger, maybe up-and-comer. And have him come over here and play at Leicester City. So we'll see what happens with that. Patrice Evra, he signed a new deal at Juventus as well. So Patrice Evra, he's an old guy. I forget how old he is at times. But one of those things, though, if you can continue to re-sign with a club like Juventus at any age, you're doing something right. You know? Absolutely. I, mean, I know he made the Euro squad as well, too, So for France. So good for, for Patrice. One other big signing that we need to talk about is Zlatan. I mean, he hasn't officially confirmed it. He said he's got this big, huge announcement. It's kind of like a Donald Trump thing. We all know what you're going to talk about. Right, right. But he just hasn't come out officially and said it yet. Well, and the reason that is, Baxter, is his contract isn't up with PSG until Mm -hmm. June 30th. So legally, 
in, if you're going to follow some FIFA laws, sure. even though they don't follow themselves. <laughs> when that does uh, finally happen, yes. He can't put pen to paper until mm-hmm. until that uh, contract is officially up. Um, so, but yeah, it's it's very obvious. You know, Manchester United was going to have a press conference two days ago, which they they ended up not going through on because of this little hiccup here, but it's well known that Zlatan is going to Manchester United. When it first came out that it was rumored that he was going to come to MLS, I know I had said, no, nah, no, nah, it's not going to yeah, happen. He exactly. wants to finish his career on a high note. <laughs> um, or it, whether the high notes with Manchester United are making millions and millions upon millions in, in Qatar or uh, China. Yeah, where he would have been just literally idolized as a god right. over there, because that's right. just what those people do. So we shall see on uh, perhaps... 12.01 a.m. on July 1st, an announcement by I think Manchester he said he's going to do it. Yeah, he, it'll be obviously during the Euros at that point in time because the Euros kick off here in about another week or so, uh, which I'm excited about, too. And we'll, we'll see what ends up coming with that. And once the Euros get a little bit closer, we will do a little bit more of an in-depth idea of who we think is going to go far. Belgium has a good chance this year and all that kind of stuff. So we'll keep an eye on Zlatan. We'll keep on everything. Uh, one of the things we want to hit on here in this uh, this first segment, the kick around, uh, highlights Man- uh, not Manchester United, Atlanta United. That's who it is. The different United. Uh, they have signed their first homegrown player, Simon, which I think is fantastic. Obviously, it's not a huge big name, but it's a homegrown player. He's a young guy. He's coming through the system, and Atlanta United showing that they are focusing on building from the ground up, and they want to make sure they have a younger side of the team as well before they go out and spend their millions on bigger names to bring fans actually into the seats. Yeah, and he's their their first official homegrown player. Andrew Carlton is his name. Um, so he's part of their inaugural Youth Academy class. And hey, for all the things that I don't like about expanding to Atlanta, not because of the city, but sure. I, I just don't like the idea of them playing in another NFL stadium mm-hmm. on artificial turf. And yes, I'm a Timbers fan. I still don't like the fact that the Timbers play on artificial turf. Rebs play on it too. It's not <laughs> That's fun. right. But it looks like as their soccer operations go, they're mm-hmm. doing things right. They're coming out of the gate correctly. They've got, I think, over 30,000 season ticket holders. Yeah. Uh, someday the tournament may have that. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, right. Once they uh, get an NFL stadium to play. <laughs> but, but, but they, uh, you know, 15-year-old U.S. national team midfielder, as I said, Andrew Carlton, signing him to a contract. That's a, that's, good, that's, that's a great That's move. a great thing. No, and we, there's multiple different things coming out about this. Carlos Bocanegra, you know, the team's technical director, said he's an outstanding young talent with strong ties to Georgia soccer. We are very proud to name him the first homegrown player in club history. Anytime you have an expansion club getting behind a player, I mean, no matter what, I think that's a huge move for the organization, and I'm excited to see now what this kid will do. Will he see a lot of minutes on the field? Probably not once all the rest of the team shows up, but still, building that academy, building up from there. We saw Jordan Morris come out of nowhere for the Seattle Sounders as well. And what you hope is that, and I I can put trust in somebody like Carlos Bocanegra, is that he's going to bring this kid on slowly. Exactly. You know, we're not going to have another Freddie Dew on our hands. No, you this know, isn't I, like the major hype train where they're right. freaking out saying, hey, Christian Pulisic, start him now. He's the best right. thing ever. No, it's not what it's going to be. Although I'm not against starting him, to be honest with you. We'll he's, get to that. He's, he's, we'll he's get been, to that. He's been in the pig pond long enough. Uh, and that, this is actually, quietly, Atlanta's been signing players, Baxter. This yeah. is their fourth signing. They got uh, Junior Burgos, who they've actually loaned out to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Mm-hmm. They have a goalkeeper, a 23-year-old, Alexander T- uh, Tambakis, who's playing with 
their affiliate, the Charleston Battery. Yep. So, you know, Atlanta's not just signing players and saying, all right, let's go out and train. They're, they're getting them out there in competitive games already, exactly. too. Exactly. And I think once Atlanta rolls around, I believe it's next, is it next year I they finally join year. the, they yeah. get to join the party? I mean, because Atlanta's new stadium, I think, is either done or very close to it. So. Yeah, the Mercedes. Well, they did have to, uh, no, they've actually had problems with completing that on time. So we actually have to see mm, that's right. what I, happens. I can't remember if it's 17 or 18, because I know Minnesota comes next year, and I think, I couldn't remember if Atlanta comes the same year as LAFC does no, Minnesota is 18. Oh, they are 18. I believe. Why did, well, I, think, you know why did I think they were next year for some reason? Uh, I think they were hoping to at some point, but same thing with their stadium. It took a little bit longer for them to get the stadium that they were hoping I, for. I, so I Who no knows, idea. Baxter? I have no idea. Either way, though, whenever they finally come in the league, we'll be excited to see them. I know that there's at least those, uh, those three teams, Minnesota, when they finally show up, Atlanta and L.A., or all the new ones. Yep, and we'll see if Miami yeah, or San Antonio M- MLS, or Sacramento. Just get rid of the Mi- get out of the Miami business. Oh Every gosh. time they say they've got it solved, they don't. Oh, wait, sorry, something else happened. Exactly, exactly. All right, we're going to a break. When we come back, as we mentioned, Minnesota United FC's Justin Davis will be here on the phone with us right after this. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. This is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. Let's move not into MLS, not into NWSL, not to USL. No, let's go to NASL. We haven't been there in a couple weeks. We talked to Wells Thompson of the Carolina Railhawks back when we first came back on the air after we took a couple months off and uh, came back and Wells was... A great guy to chat with and have on the show. But now we get to move to a guy, well, we can't really say they're going to be in NASL very much longer because they are moving to MLS, uh, uh, Minnesota United. We go to Minnesota, just the state next door to us, and we get to speak to a man that fans know very well. They, they're enjoying when he celebrates goals by chugging beers and doing all kinds of crazy things. Uh, it's Justin Davis, number two of the Minnesota United FC. The loons, as Simon likes to call them. <laughs> Justin is here on the program with us now. Justin, good afternoon. Welcome to Two Up Front. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome, Justin. We are excited to have you here on the program. Minnesota United, uh, you guys are not having, unfortunately, the, the most glamorous season of uh, 2016 here in the spring. You guys sitting seventh in the table right now uh, behind some fairly notable teams, but can you give us a little bit of an update of uh, what's been going on with the season so far and uh, what you, as one of the more influential players on the team, have seen so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're, we're not sitting where we want to be, uh, you know, at the table right now sitting seventh, and uh, we, we didn't do ourselves any favors here these, these past couple of weeks, and, you know, we had a chance to, to clinch the spring title, but... Uh, uh, you know, didn't, didn't play well enough to, to get the results. So, you know, we find ourselves in a little bit of a, of a tough position now. But, uh, yeah, we got a big game coming up, uh, this weekend against Miami and, and seeing if we can, uh, get back on, the, on the right foot and, and getting three points at home, which will be big for us. We're talking about, uh, you know, the NASL as a whole. I mean, they've got some very, very talented teams. I mean, the New York Cosmos, Indy 11, you know, Tampa Bay Rowdies, just to name a few teams. Being a part of a league like the NASL, what exa- what does that mean to you? Because we hear we hear mixed reactions for people like us that cover American soccer as a whole, and we've always heard the the constant battle between well, NASL is you know second division over what MLS is, and back and forth. But we've heard different arguments saying NASL is a first division league too. Don't count these guys out. 
what are you as a player that is a part of the NASL? And I understand Minnesota's moving to MLS here in just uh, you know in a very short time. But what does you as a player currently in NASL believe and feel? You know that the vibe is around the league. Yeah, no, I mean I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I'm kind of in a weird position being uh, with a club that's going to make the jump up. But you know I, I've been in this league now. This is this is my sixth year. Haven't haven't been here since the the second reincarnation of it. And you know just just year year after year, I think you just see you know an improvement from quality of players, uh, you know coaches, and you know just the setup from the different teams. I think I think you see it getting better and better every year. And you know, is there still more room to grow? Definitely, but you know, just just in the the, the past, you know, like I said, five six years, you know, that this league's been here, it, it's pretty amazing to see that you know the new quality of players coming in. So, you know, if they if they stay on that that right. Uh, you know this the same path i think you know things are looking good and it, and it can be considered you know another first division uh a league and, and you know create some of those rivalries with the mls teams that, that you see you know in the open cup game so i think there's a lot of, a lot of head-to-head battles between mls and nasl teams uh next week so you know that'll be interesting to see some of those results Justin, have you heard any news as far as with the jump up to MLS as to uh, whether or not you or any of the other players may be part of that jump up as the as the club moves forward? Yeah, it's one of those uh, one of those weird situations where you know you're not technically signed with the club anymore like you are with NASL. You have to sign with the league. Sure. So contractually, there there's some weird gray area there that I, I you know I think. You know, my agent and other players' agents are working out right now. But you know, having you know spoken with you know our club leadership, I, I think you know I, I am one of those players that's in the plans for for making the jump up. So it's just a matter of you know waiting to see you know when when paperwork can be can be finalized and all that. So it's it's kind of just a waiting game. But you know, I'm looking forward to helping this club uh, you know make that jump up. Yeah, you know, Justin, one of the things I, I love about your play is you actually remind me of one of my older brothers. Um, he was an attacking player in high school and then switched to uh, a marking back is what it was called back in the day in college. And you had the same thing happen to you, although it was attacking player in college. And then as you moved to the pros, uh, you transitioned into uh, into the defensive area. And But you're also known for making those runs forward and, and sneaking uh, some shots in there. Uh, kind of a player that's almost ahead of your time in, in that respect, or was, and obviously that's, that's the game now, but how, how did you handle that transition going from being an attacking player back into a defensive player? I was going to say, does your, does your brother just slide tackle around and drink beers after the game? <laughs> must have a lot of comments. <laughs> that, that he did not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, to, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, it, it's a little bit of a change. I, I think that it's kind of important, though, to, to see you know the different position sides of the game. I mean, yeah, playing playing up top in college was always fun. You know, getting a score goal, he doesn't he doesn't love that. But then I think I can bring some of those some of those traits that were successful playing up top, whether you know recognizing runs, you know where to be, when to be, and uh, you know using that you know as an outside back, which I think you know the game's kind of evolved a little bit here in the last ten years, where outside backs are are just as important in the attack as they are you know you know defending. So. I think our team does a, a really good job of, of using myself and Kevin uh, Benegas getting forward, and, and you know we, we've had some success the past uh, two or three years just getting forward and contributing on the offensive side. But you know I think we're also pretty solid defensively, so it, it's a balancing act for sure. But uh, I think 
I mean, like you said, I think I think that's the way the game is now, and it's pretty important to to bring to a team. Are you looking at what you do um, as a player and uh, what it means to to be a part of NASL as a whole? How do you view? The possibility of moving leagues, basically. I mean, you look at what NASL is doing. I mean, oh, I know we know that you're, you know, hopefully going to be a part of that. But when you hear something about that, you you don't see that happening in Europe anytime, really. I mean, you hear about the promotion relegation side of it, but moving as a whole, what what do you take away from that? How does that kind of drive you, you know, going forward, saying like, well, hey, I may or may not you know, have a job next year. I mean, you seem like you're a very talented player, and you would regardless. But does that does that worry you at all? At times, yeah. I mean, once all the talk, uh, you know, started happening with, you know, the MLS jump, I think I think a lot of us were aware of, oh, you know, dang, you know, I might not be, you know, included in, in that roster that's moving up. I'm not sure what the statistics would be of teams that have made the jump up and, and the roster turnover in that sense. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nerve-wracking at times. But, you know, like I said before, I've had a lot of positive talks, you know, with, you know, with the – the front office and, and i think i'm included in in their long-term vision for the, for the club which is which is always nice to hear you're always sure. you're always nice to, to, feel, to feel welcome but you know on the playing side of it it's definitely a challenge as a player you, you want to see you know if you can perform at that you know so-called top tier level and you know we we played mls clubs obviously in open cup you know preseason games so i i feel like you know, I'll be just fine there. There'll, there'll be a little learning curve, I'm sure, as there sure. is with you know making making any move. But you know, it's, I think it's something that I can I can learn pretty fast. Well, speaking of playing against uh, teams that aren't in your league, you guys have a fun friendly coming up June 25th. Lyon is coming to uh, Minnesota. Of course, that means Miguel Abrera is also stopping back at Minnesota United, where he you know he had such a fantastic career. When you when you have these friendlies against these you know top Liga MX clubs, do you see this as an opportunity to perhaps showcase yourself to them as well, or is it more of hey, you know what, let's play this one game and then let's get well. Actually, you'll be done with league play at that point for the spring season, but do you then start focusing on the fall season? Yeah, I'm, it's obviously I think it's a Leon's obviously a good club and, and they've had some success in there and their league as well and I think Miguel's transitioned pretty pretty well down there, you know, getting his opportunity to shine for them a couple times. And I don't you know, I don't know if that's in, in my in my plans to go go down to Mexico and play. I've never never really uh given that too much thought. I've I've you know pretty content with where I'm at and, and growing what we have here in Minnesota. But yeah, you know, it is an opportunity for us to, to show off, you know, not just for our club but for our league and, and even for the country that uh, you know, clubs here in America can can compete against you know at a top level Mexican club. Talking with Justin Davis here on two up front of Minnesota United FC, uh, they take on Miami FC here in just a couple of short days. Definitely go and check out that game if you have the opportunity. One other thing I want to ask you about Justin before we let you go. Looking at your uh, your personal page here on the Minnesota United FC dot com page. Were you the one that filled this out, or was it your wife that filled it out? Because finding out some of these things, your special talent being ridiculously good-looking, is that something that you uh, <laughs> you take a lot of pride in, or uh, is that? I'm curious to know who the one that was that actually submitted that answer. You know, these are like questionnaires that they passed out like a few years ago, and apparently no one wants to update it. So, I mean, I hope, I hope you guys know that's a Zoolander quote. And, you know, that's, that's the gen- that's the genesis of it. Okay, and I'm not gonna lie. 
I had I had somebody down in St. Louis last week, and I think that's where they get their material for giving uh, you know the visiting players a hard time. But he just kept saying, "You're not very r- ridiculously good looking." Like, <laughs> that was that was his best comeback for me. So I don't know. Someone's gonna get that changed, or we, yeah, we gotta update that a little bit. Well, uh, as that, I'm getting older, I don't, I don't know if I'm aging <laughs> that well. <laughs> and that goes into that my my follow up question to that too. Where can we find the the '90s boy band talk with Justin Davis? I feel like that's a fantastic show that the world needs to hear. And if it's not on the radio, how can we help that get off the ground floor? I, I think it, yeah. If, if you guys are willing to join me, we can we can go on go on the air right after you guys. But that would yeah, be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All all these things have kind of taken off and, and created their own like little life story. But uh, yeah, it's just that's music I, I grew up with. I, you know, that was popular in the, in the mid mid to late '90s, early 2000s. And yeah, I know the songs. I, I'm not going to say I don't know them. No, hey, there's there's no judgment. <laughs> there's no shame. Them. Who's your Who's yeah, your favorite it, '90s it, boy it, band? Then, since we're on the topic, who's my favorite? Yeah, oh, man. Or if you had to make a top I, three, how about that to make life a little easier? Yeah, I think you got to go. You got to go consistent in sync, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees. But I mean, they, there was like shows of them making boy bands. It was a big thing. And, yeah, yeah, that's true. I See, I was I was on the <laughs> other side of that, Justin. I was a total grunge boy. So all the music I listened to was Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, and and I'll admit that's still the music I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, whatever gets you hyped it, up is it, it is, never goes away, right? Exactly. That's right. Is there a little ninety-eight degrees on your pregame playlist at all when you're uh, warming up on the field? It's probably on an old uh, iPod somewhere. If I <laughs> if I dug around the house, I could probably find one with the whole mix, mixtape. Yeah, one of those nineties uh, cassette tapes yep. full of uh, full of boy bands. Exactly. Right or those CDs where you actually wrote the tracks on you, you you burned them or ripped them, you know, on your parents' computer or something like that. That's fantastic. Uh, we we all had that. We exactly. all had that definitely. Yep, exactly. Well Justin Davis, thank you so much for taking time today here on Two Up Front. Justin Davis, number two, an outside attacking beer chugging defender, well after he scores a goal of course, of Minnesota United. They take on Miami F C in just uh, one day's time as well. Go and check out that game if you're in the area and uh, continue to support Minnesota United as well if you are in that uh, that Loons supporting area. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you, Justin, hopefully in Major League Soccer as well here in the coming years and hopefully coming back to two up front in the near future. Yeah, definitely. You guys got it. Appreciate you having me on. Not a problem, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thanks so much. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up and continue to move along with the show. You're listening to Two Up Front presented by ShopFutsal.com. Back here in the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. Just a reminder, live show tonight, later on tonight, if you're listening to us here on the Sports Podcasting Network, you can hear us live. Yes, live officially, none of this day or two ahead of time, pre-recorded business. No, you can hear us live tonight, starting at 7 p.m. Central Time, live on Spreaker.com and on our Facebook and Twitter pages. You'll see the link as well. We'll be at Brenner Brewing for the Milwaukee Torrance season kickoff party before their first home opener game uh, tomorrow, Saturday, against uh, the Minnesota Twin Stars. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are excited about it, and uh, Simon and I are going to be there. You can come meet us, say hi, shake some hands, kiss some babies, whatever you want us to yeah, do. Yeah, like our Facebook page, that, that kind too. of stuff. You know, follow us on Twitter, little things like that. We're excited, though, and uh, really looking forward to it. All right, so let's look at some women's soccer right now, Simon. The U.S. women's national team uh, surprisingly challenged against a very 
underperforming Japan team. They didn't make it to the Olympics after being in the World Cup final last year and for technically the last two World Cups overall. And uh, Japan put a surprise 3-3 draw with them in the first of the two games. And then the U.S. came back and then took care of business, beating them 2-0. Although the game did get rained out after the 76 minute, and they didn't officially finish it. That makes sense. Yeah. No, and actually, U.S. soccer is still waiting word from yeah. FIFA as to whether they can count this. Exactly. Uh, and if, uh, if I remember correctly, FIFA's response was, how much money are you going to give us? Oh, wow. Well, that's the show today. Thanks so much for tuning in. I need to go swear somewhere because that's just BS. Anyway, wow. I'm kidding, Baxter. I'm kidding. It's, it's Are F- you? FIFA didn't really say Are that. Really I mean, though? I would expect them that's to. That's why. But. I, but that's the thing, though. I was not surprised by that response. That's though when true. you told me that, you I was like, got, you, you, you got I was angry. genuinely mad. I'm like, that is ridiculous. I am done with FIFA. I'm going to go to Europe and go follow UEFA or anybody else. That's oh, no. I'm just going to screw it. I'm just going to start a whole new soccer league. <laughs> well, regardless. Whether FIFA that had said very that, nice. whether whether uh, the game was complete or not, the U.S. won two zero over uh, thanks to Julie Johnston and Alex yep. Morgan goals. Crystal Dunn, as you were telling me uh, off air, mm-hmm. just lit up the field. She did. She is an incredible, dynamic attacking winger. And I mentioned this a couple of days ago when I was on the Off the Post podcast as well. If Crystal Dunn does not make this U.S. women's national team, I am going to boycott this entire Olympics overall because there is no, no reason. I will. Will you really? If Crystal Dunn, she's the most dynamic hey, listen, player I, on I the roster. I agree with you, but I just don't, I don't. She's the most dynamic player on the roster. How do you not, if she doesn't make it onto this roster with everything she's done on the wing so far this this leading up to the Olympics, I would be just floored if she doesn't make I, it. I agree. I would be floored as well, but I can't I can't <laughs> stop supporting I know. I the would, rest I of the women. Watch, but okay, at least right, for the purpose right. of getting people fired up. I would okay. boycott it. Boycott caught them all. No, I would not. I love the women's national team. Side note, by the way, yes. 23,000, more than 23,000 fans showed up for this uh, oh. for this game in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm not saying this as a joke. This is in truth. Cavaliers. From what we've seen from the Copa America, that has outpaced most of the Copa America games with attendance That's numbers. That's true. That's also outpaced the attendance at Cleveland Cavalier games this year, too. <laughs> <laughs> or in Cleveland Browns, too. Cleveland Browns fans are going, how do we get 23,000 people in our state? No, that's not true. Anyway, I think they played at the Cleveland Browns Stadium. I believe they did. Yeah. Is it, uh, I forget what, Energy or something like that? Energy Stadium or something like that. Either way, though, I was a little concerned, though, about this 3-3 draw, just to go off of that for a moment. The U.S., they go down 2-0 early. They went down. They were down two 0 with about twenty five minutes into the ball game. There was a, a ricochet shot off of Becky Sauerbrunn that everybody that loves Becky Sauerbrunn is defending, saying, "No, it didn't touch her. It didn't touch her. It was just a really nice goal." Well, either way, Becky Sauerbrunn and the defense failed to step multiple times in this game, leaving Japan to ultimately end up going down. And you know, they ended up they ended up going down three to two late on in the game. And then Japan were able to equalize late on in the game in stoppage time, even though they were down a man as well. So. I was I was making the argument on Twitter a couple of days ago saying that I don't think Hope Solo is as good as she used to be, and I think maybe she might possibly be purposely playing poorly so she doesn't have to go to Rio because she's already freaked out about Zika, which I she did. She is, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, is it time to move past from Hope Solo? I know everybody listening and those that support Hope Solo are just finding my address right now so they can come find me and beat <laughs> me up. But I, I, at some point, though, Hope Solo looked so just she didn't she didn't want to be there. That was the bottom line. I was watching this game, and I'm like, she just looked disinterested, didn't care. She got beat on a lot of balls she shouldn't have gotten beat on, and she just didn't have any communication with the back line, and it just looked horrific. There's no reason a team that doesn't even make the Olympics 
should have put three goals in on the U.S. Women's National Team. Well, look. Look how she's playing for the Rain, Baxter. She's not having the best of seasons either. Well, look at the Rain as a whole. They're not having the greatest season either. Though, a a side note here, they did sign recently a Japanese national team player, Rumi Utsugi. Utsugi. Rumi Utsugi. Rumi Utsugi. Uh, 27, so a younger player, but she's already had 87 caps for the Japan's national team. Japan is one of those teams, similar to China as well. Once you can kick a ball after the age of about 12, if you're good, you're going to play on the national team. Well, and and, and having 87 whatever caps, I mean, mean, I'm sure she's a great player. Right. They're just they the Japanese and Chinese players are overworked by the time they're twenty five twenty six because they play every minute of every game if they're a good player. No, that's true, but you know it's not unusual in women's soccer either. Though I mean, no. you look at U.S. women's team, mm-hmm. uh, how many caps all of their players essentially have? Oh well, yeah, exactly. You know? Hope Solo, I think, is three caps away from two hundred. Right. So right. You you know, Abby like Wambach was yeah far over two hundred. Something if, like right. that. Yeah, I think she's the most capped ever. Just something like two fifty. Well, it's, and it's simply because it's simply because. There aren't as many women's clubs teams out there, and, and exactly. for the teams that there are, there aren't as many games. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. No, I completely agree with you on that. Side note for a moment. Um, Lots of side notes. I know, a lot of side notes. We'll get back to the main note here in a moment. But uh, another step possibly for women's soccer in the positive direction, FIFA 17 is going to be announced later on this month. Uh, the full trailer, at least, for it will be. But there's rumors that um, they're going to be adding some women's clubs to FIFA 17. Oh, is that right? Um, right now, it looks at least that the, the teasers have been the Arsenal and Liverpool ladies teams over there in the in the English Women's Premier League. Whether or not they move into NWSL, we don't know, at least right now. But teams that people that follow the women's game as a whole know that Arsenal and Liverpool, their women's teams are almost even better sometimes than their men's teams, sure. depending on how they sure. are. So. Another big step, though, for yeah. uh, for women's soccer, if that does end up happening. So back to the games, Baxter, the U.S. women's games. Um, you know, it was concerning. You can look at this in two ways. It is concerning that they went down 2-0 pretty early. I mean, already 22 minutes in. Yep. But then a positive is, is that you see them come back and tie the game up and actually take the lead. And then, of course, there's the flip side of this. Now Japan comes and scores in stoppage time. After to being tie a man down. Right, right. Anytime you give up a goal from any team being a man up, I think that's... I'm, I'm a little frustrated about that. It can be very dangerous, if though. If that's the right? team you support. I mean, if you're... Sure, if, if, sure. Obviously, if Portland is down a man and they are down a goal and they end up tying or same thing for the Revolution, obviously you're ecstatic. Like, look at that! Right. But if you're the, if you're vice versa, if Caleb Porter and the you know those guys are up 3-1 to one or whatever and that other team comes back and scores two goals and ties the game... That's never happened! Exactly! You're <laughs> fire Porter all over the place. You know, you're absolutely livid. <laughs> right. You know, things like that. But... It's, no, but there, uh, there's definitely positives and, and negatives to take away yes. from that first game. But the biggest positive is the U.S. comes back and shortened game or not, they played three quarters minutes. of the game. Yeah, exactly. The U.S. wins two zero. Uh, as you said, you know some great things to highlight: Alex Morgan with three goals over the two two games. Crystal Dunn really showing that she belongs on this team, yes. belongs in Rio, perhaps even starting in Rio. I'm going I'm so. to take the perhaps out of there. I she, think she should be should. starting. She should be starting on that right wing. And I understand if, barring any complications, Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino are going to be back on this roster. And that's already been a given. It's already been said multiple times, Carly Lloyd especially. Megan Rapino, we're still waiting to hear a little bit more about her recovery. But So you're already, you're already taking away two spots from whoever these ladies are that are already there fighting right, right. now. Yeah. So yeah. obviously that can raise a little bit of concern, but at the same time, how do you not take Megan Rapinoe? How do you not take Carly Lloyd if they're sure. healthy? You know, especially sure. Carly Lloyd. Not to, not to say that Megan Rapinoe is replaceable, but with the outside talent they have on this team, she's semi-ish replaceable. Ish. Absolutely. Not 100%. You no, know, but another, not that. I do want to say, and I am name-dropping because we get to do this with our yeah, show. Of course. Sam Hewis also came in as a second-half yeah. sub in that first game and played uh, very well. In fact, it was her pass 
to Lindsay, uh, to, I'm sorry, Haran. to O'Hara, who oh, eventually oh, yeah. passed it to Haran. But it was Sam Mewis who really got things set up for that third goal in that first exactly. game. Exactly, and it's nice to see Sam Mewis and Crystal Dunn, both former interviewees here yeah. on to up front that are playing such a, a high level of soccer right now. And I know we don't have time to break down into it, but for those of you who are listening who maybe haven't seen it, uh, Canada and Brazil also split big, a series, 1-0 yep. for each of them on either side of those uh, legs. Um, two very good teams in the women's game. And it's actually, for me, it's exciting to see that they split the series. I agree. No, I completely agree. I mean, we talk about Brazil, and we've, already, we've, we've mentioned this on the show before. We want Canada to be good so badly. We really do. They've got a good team. It's not that they don't, but then you get matched up against a Brazil. You get matched up against a France or any of these other teams in World Cup playing, and they always end up on the short end of the stick. But it's nice to see somebody else doing well. And I think the fact that they were able to beat a team like Brazil, who has traditionally been good for a long time, and say what you will about the fact that these games are close together, well, it still affects both teams the same way, no matter what. But they still got a nice 1-0 victory on the second game, which I think is great. And admittedly, I didn't get to watch most of the Canada game, but from what I did and from the reports I read that Canada actually put on quite a show against Brazil. It was nice. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's great to see... Uh, this team who Canada has been been aging, obviously, with some of its better players. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to see some younger players step up like we're seeing with the U.S. team. But for the fact that they went out there and again in that second leg of that series and put on the show that they apparently did, that's very positive to exactly. see. Exactly. I think that really you know opens up a lot of things for Canada moving forward. I mean, they're going to be at the Olympics as well, too. So we'll see what 18 end up making that roster and uh, who ends up putting on a good performance overall. Uh, let's move into here quickly before we get to Kim Dakaris of the Sky of Sky Blue FC. Uh, this week we have uh, everybody's back in action again, which is great for the NWSL. I know I'm excited about it. Uh, first game: Boston Breakers and the Washington Spirit. Washington Spirit, their third best in the league, while the Boston Breakers are dead last. Washington Spirit, Boston, what do you think in this game, Simon? Uh, even though Washington Spirit's away. Uh, now, are they going to have their players back? They do we will. know this Crystal yet? and everybody will be back, yeah. I mean, Washington Spirit, I believe they're going to win this game, so they'll they'll have played their seventh game, and they'll be back on top of the table with 16 points. Mm. Uh, there are a couple other teams that play each other, though, that have that effect, obviously, of the, of the top. But you think Washington overall, though, is going to just piggyback to the top, even though Chicago plays Portland? Well, I, I think, you know, again, looking at overall, not just overall points, but points per game. Sure. You know, Washington's still ahead on that. And, that is true. Uh, I, I just, I can't imagine if if Washington continues to play the way they do, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to win this league outright. I they're going to blow these teams away. I completely agree. We've, um, we've talked about them, too. I mean, you, with Crystal, Crystal Dunn and Christine Naren, we've both been on the program before, too, and just hearing them and talking with Jim Gabara as well. This is just a very through-and-through team. They're very talented, no matter... Where you look at this lineup, honestly. I mean, Joanna Lohman on this team, too, scoring crazy goals. And I, Washington really could run away with this with this season. Well, I think so. And, and, you know, looking at Boston, they've got that 1-0 win over FC Kansas City. I think that fooled a lot of people because FC Kansas City has not been that good, even though they were champs last year. But then they then the breakers come back, and you're thinking, okay, maybe they're actually figuring things out. They, lo- they lose to the Flash 4-0. Exactly. Speaking of the Flash, they've got this next game against the Orlando Pride. Orlando's good when Alex Morgan shows up, but other than that, is, there's nobody else really for Orlando that really sticks out to me as a dynamic player. I think Western New York Flash, similar to the Washington Spirits, or I didn't say that in the last one, are both going to come up with victories in this game. Yeah, I in agree. In their respective uh, games. Right. I, I, yeah, I think this is actually a pretty easy one to pick, especially with the Flash playing at home in Rochester. Yeah, I completely agree. Sky Blue FC and FC Kansas City. FC Kansas City's hit or miss. They won their last game, which is great. 
but they're also second last in the entire table. While Sky Blue has been semi-quiet, they've got eight points in seven games. We'll talk to Kim here shortly on the program and see what she thinks about that upcoming game. Uh, Sky Blue and FC Kansas City draw, in my opinion. Well, I, I think that's a fair pick, Baxter, because also you look at Sky Blue. You know, you had mentioned um, you had mentioned that uh, Kansas City they're trying to figure things out. Sky Blue is kind of a chameleon. They they play really well one game, then the next week fall on their not fall on their faces, but uh, just don't play as well. Yeah, and you're kind of wondering where everybody's going to come from. So, I think a, a draw is fair, but I'm still going to take Sky Blue FC. Okay, very good. I mean, that'll make a lot of fans happy. Chicago Red Stars and Portland Thorns, Ooh. the battle of one and two, possible and outright uh, overall leader. Will the Portland Thorns finally lose their first game of the season? Well, no, I don't think they will. I think Portland will continue to roll. Uh, if you maintain Kristen Press up top for Chicago, it's going to be a long, long day. Even though Chicago hosts this game, Portland, they're a dangerous team. They've got just a laundry list of really good players, and I think they're going to just completely boat race Chicago in this game. You do. I do. Yeah, I... Uh... Now I'm a Portland fan, and, and you know me. I'm, I'm harder on my own teams course, than, I am on, than I am on the other teams. Chicago's playing at home. They're, they're playing really well this season. Of course, Portland's playing well as well, but I think they suffer their first loss. I'm, I'm picking the Red Stars Interesting. on this one. Okay, and then the final game, uh, my Houston Dash against the Seattle Rain. You like saying that, don't you? I do. You I, I enjoy. Them. I enjoy the Houston Dash. The Houston Dash are very frustrating, though, similar to the New England Revolution, where they have the talent to be really good but not everybody always shows up on a weekly basis, unfortunately. Carly Lloyd's been gone long enough now that this team should have been able to figure out who they are as a team, and they still have yet to do that. I think Seattle in Seattle is a hard place to win. Seattle wins this game closely, though. I'm actually going to agree with you on this, Baxter, and mainly because, uh, listen, you had you had uh, Sam Mewis gone for national team duty. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, am, I, am I on the right team here? Am I, am I looking uh, at the right team? I think so. Hopefully. <laughs> no, Sam Mewis for Skype. No, no, you're looking at the Sorry, the there dash. we go. There, there we go. go. Looking at the wrong roster there. Um, <clears throat> excuse me about that. Anyways, yeah, I, you know, I'm embarrassing myself right now. I'm taking Seattle. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, we are going to run that to, one short. We're going to run to a break here so Simon can uh, calm down. Uh, and we're going to talk to Sky Blue FC's Faces Kim Sarsi right after this. You're listening to Two Up Front presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right. Did you want to redeem yourself from that last segment quickly? Nope, not at all. Not Nothing? Nothing. Nothing at all? No. You found out where Sam actually plays, though. <laughs> she was on the show, Simon. How do you How do you diss a gal like I, Sam I, Mewis? I, okay, I was saying I saw Ellie Brush, and it made me think of Sam Mewis. Oh. Why? I don't know. That's the way my crazy mind works. So where does Sam play, now that we know? Western New York there Flash. There you go. And where does uh, Ellie play? Ellie plays with Houston thank Dash. Thank you. Thank you. Now that we've got that all cleared up. We are excited to move into our women's soccer spotlight. This week we are talking to Sky Blue FC forward Kim DeCesar. Kim, welcome to Two Up Front. Hi, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. You're welcome, Kim. We are excited to have you here on the program. Sky Blue FC, one of those teams this season where you guys have been hot, you've been cold, now you find yourself kind of the middle of the table right now. 
we actually are very intrigued by what's happening out there on the East Coast. Can you give us a little insight about how things have been going for Sky Blue and uh, your upcoming game against FC Kansas City? Well, we're, we're excited to be home again because we haven't been home in a little while. Um, we have been a little bit hot and cold, but it's been a work in progress. And, and obviously, everybody doesn't get to see the, the day in and day out of our, of our hard work every day. But um, we're getting better. We're getting better every practice, every day. We're getting people back from injuries, um, kind of getting new people in the rotation. And, and the future is bright. That's all I have to say. Well, that's good. You would say that the, the sky is blue around uh, the sky blue. <laughs> that was yeah. an awful pun. Either way, though. There's not a cloud in the sky. The only cloud is cloud nine. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I like that. I'm going to write that quote down and, and, and use that later. <laughs> so, uh, Kim, uh, interesting thing is that you actually spent the preseason with a different team and then was signed by Sky Blue FC. Can you fill us in on how all that worked out for you? Yeah, so that was last year. Last year I started preseason with um, Kansas City, actually, who we're playing this weekend. Um, I'm excited to see them again. And, um, yeah, so I I went into preseason with them, and kind of a couple things couple things went down, and Skyblue gave me a call, and they said, hey, Jim, we need a, we need a center forward. Would you, would you like to come to us? And I said, sure, it's totally home. <laughs> Simple as that. We just say, hey, you want to you want to come over here and play for us? And you're like, yeah, why not? Or just, you know, just, yeah. you just happen to be in the area, basically? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, yeah, that was awesome. Well, that's great. I mean, awesome. you know, being able to be a part of an organization like that for FC Kansas City for a little while certainly, you know, helps you as a player being around such great players. And now you do find yourself at Sky Blue FC. You played four games so far this season. Uh, you've appeared in four games. No goals anywhere for you yet. Uh, are we going to see a goal against a former team uh, possibly this weekend at all, or what's in the cards for, for you this coming game? Um, obviously, always hoping for goals, always um, visualizing goals, but uh, just, you know, going to do my job and, and play my role, and hopefully goals and wins will come. So we're just looking for a win, so however that happens, I'll be happy with it. Well, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, you want to do your best that you can each and every game. Sky Blue is an interesting team, I feel like, uh, Kim. Looking at this roster, looking at the rest of the league as a whole, I feel like, at least from an outsider's perspective looking, and Sky Blue has kind of always been that underdog looking around the league. Do you guys embrace that status going into almost every game, or are you guys starting to gain enough respect from what you've seen on your end, especially with Coach Christie? Coast, wow, I can't speak today. Coach Christie Holly in charge as well, really kind of driving you guys forward. What, what's, what's the feel? Do you guys feel like that underdog going around the, the league? Are you here to try to make a statement? Are you going to be one of those four playoff teams, or what exactly is going on with you guys this year? Um, I think that we don't necessarily always feel that we're the underdog. I think that other people look at us in that way. We go into every game as if we're going to win. Our game plan, obviously, is we're confident in it, and every every game we plan to win. So, but it, yes, in some ways, we, I I do feel like we're the underdog. Uh, just kind of how how people look at us from the outside. But that is sometimes a good situation to be in because. Like when we're playing against Chicago, who's top of the table, and we we get a point on the road, that that's a good feeling. And and we had our home op- uh, our away opener against Seattle, and one against them. You know that that we can roll with that underdog, and I don't really have a problem with, with people saying that. And hopefully, as, by the end of the season, we'll we'll be one of those top four teams, and nobody will everyone will no longer consider us an underdog. So, but I don't. 
I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Exactly, yeah. To be called an underdog. Some teams rise to that occasion, and sometimes that lets them fuel them as well throughout the rest of the season. I mean, and you... I think we do. I, I, I do. I think that even in the games that we were like, we were a little bit more not expected to win, but we were we struggled in those games, and then games that maybe maybe were a little bit tougher or a little bit. Um, we had a plan a little bit more for. We came out and, and prepared well and, and did well against them. Well I, well, I will say this, Kim, for uh, for guys like Simon and I who do follow the league and do offer predictions on a weekly basis, anytime we always get to a Sky Blue FC game, we always sit there for a moment, we just we take a hard look at it, even more so than the other games, because as you've mentioned too, I mean, you guys have outperformed some of those games that people quote-unquote thought you weren't supposed to win, and then vice versa, you've struggled on some of those games that people thought you might win as well. And it's always interesting too, but it's nice to hear that you guys are going into every game with the exact same mentality, regardless if you think you're an underdog or not, and you're trying to really embrace it and try to be the best team that you can. And you look at the rest of the season, and even the next three games, along with FC Kansas City, you play Seattle, and then you play Washington. That's a bit of a gauntlet to go through. I mean, you could even throw Portland and Houston in there as well for those following games as well. Going up against, and I think this is the beautiful thing about NWSL as well, there's really no bad team in NWSL. And does that no. make you as a player better overall? Because you know that no matter who you're playing for, there's really no cakewalk, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. I mean, when you're looking at the opponents that you face on a weekly basis. Yeah, it's exciting. Every game's exciting because you never know. <laughs> you hope to win, but you really never know what's going to happen. And you come at your against players that are just so talented and teams that are so good. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter who you play. It's, Every every game, it's not hard to get excited for because mm-hmm. you know that you're not going to walk over all over any team ever. So, Kim, I love it. I love it when the person we're interviewing tosses up a softball to me, and I get to crack a home run with it. <laughs> You're talking Wait, about. You say? Time. I, I was saying I love it when our guest tosses me up a softball that I can take a crack at. You, you did that perfectly for this next transition here. <laughs> uh, you, you're talking about experience and, and using that. I always love to hear from players who have played in other leagues, and you've spent some time in Sweden. So, what's the difference that you see between NWSL and the top league in Sweden, which I am not even going to chance to try to pronounce that please league. please try i would like <laughs> the, to hear the damel schwenskan yeah it's the damel schwenskan how's that is yeah, that that's pretty good okay oh, okay now now what is it really yeah. though <laughs> i mean i say damel schwenskan and i play for expo united i don't know if i say it right or wrong but i think i'm close enough Hey, that's hey. You you played there so you got more credibility than we do on that so we'll however you pronounce it is how we'll go with it um so i would say both both leagues are very good. The, the game is just different in Sweden. It's, it's, there's less turnover because it's more of a lower press. There's a lower line of competition, and the back line will keep the ball for a while. The midfield will pop it into the midfield. They'll go back to the back line. There's more, more possession and, and picking and choosing moments. Hmm. And it's a little bit of a slower-paced game, but I don't mean that in – that players' decisions make decision making is slower. It's just not as high pressed. I feel like in in the NWSL, a lot of us are high pressed, very athletic, very fast, but we also lose the ball a lot more because we take more risk. Mm-hmm. There in Sweden, it's more calculated risk. I try and think if we were to play each other, it would it would definitely be an interesting game. And I don't know, I don't know how how it would turn out because we would high press, they would try and keep the ball. 
Um, it's still, though, I still play, have played with some of the best players and against some of the best players in Europe, and they compare and are better than some of the players here. It's just, I can't say that one league is better than the other. Sure. There's different styles. Which makes and sense. And I learned yeah. different things playing in both leagues. Hmm. Well, that was that was the one question I had is is what do you take from playing in Sweden and apply it to your game in the NWSL? Um, I actually, I think I learned to slow myself down a little bit, and that everything doesn't have to be 100 miles an hour all all the time. I think in the in the United States, we're taught that game speed and game pace is as fast as you can go, as quick as you can touch the ball, as hard as you can hit it, but that's not the case. Game speed is varied. And when I went overseas, I the first practice, I remember them telling me, you can, you don't have to sprint through the warm-up. Like, we are going to take hmm. it easy for the first 30 minutes of, of training, and, and some things just slowed down. And I think that helped me um, because I was always moving 100 miles an hour, and that's not to say that it doesn't help sometimes, but I've, I slowed down a little bit and realized that that the game involves more patience than I had. So Hmm. that's probably what I learned over there. How interesting. It's interesting to see that. I mean, yeah, we've talked to so many different players on the show, and you hear about those that play the game at, you know, 100 miles an hour, and then you hear the converse side of it from you as well, where it's, uh, hey, you know, it's it's okay to slow things down. And, and I would agree, too, watching MLS, watching NWSL, watching the U.S. national teams as a whole, it's so go, 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 because that's what people in America like to see. They like the quick results. They like to, hey, how fast can we take a shot, move around, do other things like that as well. But it's nice to see. And, I, and I, I, I'm a fine line between the two. I like, you know, to be able to have it, a quality of the game to happen, plus also the speed of the game as well, too, within reason, with the excitement of it, within reason, obviously. But uh, one thing I'm curious about, Kim, you, you've played in Sweden, you play here in the NWSL. What, now that you've kind of seen the best of both worlds, what is, what's, your, what's your ultimate goal here? Are you, is there something you want to do? I mean, I, I understand you're, you're only 25, so you've got some time here still to, to really make a name for yourself. But as you, as you lie awake there you know, in bed at night, you know, thinking and dreaming about what you want to do, Playing professional soccer, I'm sure, is very high on that list. But is is there what's the next step career-wise that you want to be able to make to to cement yourself in history? Um, I every day I wake up and I'm like, I'm so happy I'm going to practice. So and, and that I'm playing. So for me, since since injuries have kind of been on and off, my every day that I'm quote unquote healthy or healthy enough, um, that's that's my goal. I know I can't necessarily control that, but I would like to put put in a couple more years in the league and maybe go overseas one or two more times and just kind of enjoy the experience. I I can't say I have some some big goals. I mean, obviously everybody does, and you want your team to do well, you want your team to win, be successful, you want to have personal success. But there's nothing really concrete in the playing world that I would say that I have goals for. I just, I, I genuinely enjoy playing every day and I want to continue to enjoy that. And as long as I'm enjoying it, I want to continue to play. And then after I'm done playing, I'm, I definitely feel like I need to try being a coach. I want to be a college coach. Oh, wow. So okay. that's definitely something that I'll try. I don't know if it's something I'll stick with. I don't know if I'm going to want soccer to, to run my life, my whole life. Sure. But right now that's, that's probably the route that I'll, I'll go with. So every every year, every 
every year that I play, every new team that I play for, uh, I feel like still helps me, is, is going to help me in the future in becoming a coach. Well, that's, that's a wonderful attitude, first of all, to have, Kim, is just appreciating each day that you're alive and doing what you're doing. Because let's face it, there are not many people in this world that to get the to get the call themselves professional soccer players. Exactly. And especially in in a league like the NWSL that has has survived now, uh, you know, longer than any other women's professional league in the States. Um, and I do, I, I love hearing that coaching is something that you're interested in doing. I have a nine-year-old that plays the game, and I, I got to tell you, it is such a joy, not just because it's my daughter, but it's such a joy to coach those nine-year-olds, those ten-year-olds, and when you see them apply something to the game that you've been working on in practice, including back passes and slowing the game down, by the way, uh, <laughs> it's, it really is, um, for me, because I, I played the game at a competitive level, obviously not professionally, but at a competitive level, and being able to have that outlet by, by sharing that knowledge mm-hmm. with kids is is it's for me a, a magical thing yeah no it's awesome i'm actually right after i'm done with you guys i'm going to coach my u13 team awesome perfect well fantastic well I kim and that's that's fantastic to hear well kim we appreciate you taking some time today here on two up front you can find kim a member of sky blue fc as they take on fc kansas city this saturday night at 7 p.m eastern time go and check out the game if you're in the area or watch it live and free on youtube as well Kim DeCesar, thank you so much for taking some time for, with us today, and we, uh, we look to hopefully have you back on the show again in the future. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. You are welcome. Thanks, Kim. We're going to run to a break when we come back. So much more in store for you here on 2 Up Front. Peter Wilt will be here a little bit later on in the program as well to announce a new player signing for Indy 11, his final act before he leaves the great door that is Indy 11 and goes to Chicago NASL. You're listening to 2 Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon, we've had a fantastic show so far today. We've talked about so many amazing different things, talked to some amazing guests, and we thought it couldn't get any better. But now we get to go to another even amazing, amazinger guest. Is that there a word? There you go. We're going to make it a word. <laughs> for, uh, for our next guest, it is a, it's, a, it's a good word to use. Uh, we chatted with him just a couple of weeks ago, actually, but now he's back here on the program with us. To announce some exciting news for uh, for the club that he is in the middle of leaving, but he's leaving on good terms, of course. Mr. Peter Wilt is back here on the program with us. Peter, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, guys. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you, Peter. Well, you have some exciting news for us, and for those that support Indy 11 as well, what is that news? Uh, we had uh, a huge signing uh, yesterday with uh, Mexican national team legend Gerardo Torado. Uh, signing. Uh, the midfielder has the second most national team caps in the, the history of Mexico with uh, three appearances or three World Cups. He played in 2002 uh, in Japan, Korea, 2006, and in, in, um, uh, and then 2010 as well. So he did Germany, South Africa, and uh, Japan, Korea with, uh, with Mexico. He's been the captain of Cruz Azul for the last 11 years. And uh, we're very fortunate towards the end of his career to be able to uh, get him to finish his career with uh, Indy 11. That's a fantastic. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, Peter. So, you know, we, the last time we talked to you, one of the questions I had asked you was about, uh, 
you know, MLS versus NASL, and you had made the point about how the NASL is is really wanting to challenge MLS, and and it's it's kind of wrong for people to ask, well, what happens if MLS comes around and says, hey, Chicago NASL, do you want to join us? And you had made the point that you know, it's it's who's to say that in five years MLS will be the big league, and I, I have to say. This goes a long way in, in showing that, hey, NASL is serious about their ambitions. Um, I am curious how this all worked out and how the conversations began, how it came to fruition, and, you know, as much of the story that you can give us in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, it, it actually came down in a rather short amount of time, really in the last two to three weeks. Uh, Gerardo was looking for uh, a place in the, in the United States or, or Canada to finish his career. And um, I spoke with his agent, who I've known for a few years. We uh, tried working on another Mexican national team player a couple of years ago uh, on, on a deal that did not work out. And, you know, we, we talked about what his motivations were, what, uh, what he's trying to achieve. And we were able to marry uh, his uh, motivations along with um, what we have to offer here in Indianapolis and uh, hopefully achieve our goals. I think it's going to be a mutually beneficial partnership. Um, Gerardo is still in excellent shape. You know, he's 37 years old, but we spoke to his performance coach in Cruz Azul, who happens to be an American gentleman named Sean Buckley, who told us that he's actually the most fit player on wow. Cruz Azul. Incredible. He, Holy cow. He, he worked out more than the 23-year-olds <laughs> on the team. Because obviously when you're getting a... An, an older player, and he is 37, uh, that's a concern, is, is what sort of shape is he going to be in? And um, that was addressed to our satisfaction. And, you know, you do your due diligence, even though it's pretty well known, sure. the, the quality of, of player and person he is, you know, the, the fact that he's been the team captain for 11 years goes a long way to uh, indicating his, uh, his character. And in having a leader... Uh, like that in in our locker room is going to be a huge positive. What's the uh, what is the length on his contract? If you don't mind me asking, is it a two three year deal? Uh, the length of the, the contract, uh, in, in other terms, uh, have not been made public. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. Good to know going forward. Well, I mean, I, like I was, that was a question I had had, but you kind of answered that for me in terms of the, you know, with him being 37, how long realistically is he going to be around? But you're saying that he's outrunning even those young guys right now. But you know, who's to say this guy isn't going to be playing into his early 40s? So that's uh, that's fantastic. Though I, I am curious. I love the I love his nickname now. I mean, in Spanish it's El, El Borrego, but it's uh, the sheep. He's he's the sheep. I've never thought that the sheep would be a nickname that I would <laughs> want to have, but uh, I'm sure you're hoping that he will uh, he will shepherd the flock that is in the eleven this year. Yes, uh, it is a nickname that um, uh, is unusual. It kind of reminds <laughs> me of the nickname of uh, the entire Chivas team, which right? Yeah, is the goats. <laughs> yeah. So, Peter, on a personal note, uh, we know you're wrapping up your not necessarily ties but your responsibilities with Indy 11 how much longer do you have with that club uh, before moving I'm assuming full force into Chicago NASL uh, this was it this is my my final official act with the signing Gerardo I actually kind of went into overtime a little bit uh, to get it done uh, I, I, there is another player signing that I completed uh, a few weeks ago that hasn't been announced yet but uh, Gerardo was actually the last uh, player that we um, that we that we signed. Is it so, bittersweet for you leaving now? 
Yeah, I'm going to be down for the game on, on Saturday. It's a championship game for us. If we uh, win 4-1 to one or 4 to nothing over Carolina, uh, we will take the spring uh, NASL championship, which would be a fantastic way to go out. Uh, Indy is undefeated uh, through nine games, and uh, hopefully we'll wrap it up with some silverware. That'd be excellent. And, and from what I'm reading here is we will see uh, the Sheep, as he is called, uh, on Sunday, June 26th, in a friendly against Pachuca. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, because of the way the transfer window works, he will not be eligible to play in either the Open Cup game June 15th at the Chicago Fire or in the fall season opener July 2nd. Uh, but since the Pachuca game in India is a friendly, he can play in that game, and then he'll be able to play against Minnesota. Uh, July 9th, which is Indy's second game of the fall season. Well, Peter, I think it's very fitting that the way you end your time with the club is a huge signing like this. And, and if I could you know, throw a little pun in there, it's, it's like you being in the bull ring saluting all your fans. So uh, congratulations on such a huge signing. And congrats on building the club that you have yes, in Indianapolis. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Simon. Uh, thank you, Baxter. You're very welcome, Peter. Peter Wilt, everybody from formerly Indy 11, now Chicago NASL. Congratulations on the final signing, Peter. We look forward to seeing all the craziness and excitement that you will bring to the Chicago area as well. Very good. All right. Peter Wilt, everybody. We will be back with more here on Two Up Front right after this, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. Okie doke. Simon, let's move into Copa America. Copa. Whatever else. Yes, Copa America. Well, the one thing we didn't hear much in the first weekend is goal. No, it really was, wasn't. Uh, here, Baxter, in the first round of games. In the first round of games. Second right, round, right. There's, some, there's been some goals. Here's what I think. Okay? What do you here, think, Here's Simon? what I'm going to say. Tell me. <laughs> I'm curious now, yes. I, I always like that you have a comment when I make some type of statement like that. Anyways, I'm very thankful. You'll never hear this from me again. Unless they, We're recording, well, right? Yes, we I'm are recording. I'm very thankful for Mexico. Really? I'm very thankful for Panama. Here's what I mean by that. It wasn't until those teams played that we saw the South American teams taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. I think... For Colombia, that was a cakewalk for them over the U.S. Oh, easily. 100%. They got that early goal. They sat back. And they actually played a game that the U.S. usually plays. They waited for the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is perfect. So Colombia didn't take it that seriously. Paraguay didn't seem to take it that seriously. Uh, the Brazil and Ecuador game, which Ecuador won, had the refs actually called that correctly, by mm-hmm. the way. Ecuador mm-hmm. would have won. But that was a bore fest. Yes. It wasn't until Mexico beat Uruguay 3-1 that we saw these South American teams finally start to take this tournament seriously. And then Panama goes out and beats Bolivia 2-1. And then we see uh, an awesome game last night, or two nights ago now, uh, between Peru and and uh, Ecuador. Ecuador. You know, that, that was the game of the tournament so it far. It was, yeah. But the reason I... So, so I go back to saying I'm thankful for Mexico scoring that win against Uruguay because this tournament would have been a bore fest the rest of the way had they lost. Exactly. So the South American teams finally saw these CONCACAF teams, and again, especially Panama, surprising Bolivia. Yeah. The South American teams went... Oh, wait a second. Oh. The CONCACAF teams, we don't want them to win this tournament. We're supposed to play now. Then oh. we see Brazil come out and destroy Haiti 7-1. to one. 
But take away the seven-one scoreline, but they also Germany did that to Brazil, so they were just really looking to get back. And that's not the whole point. The fact that that was the first goal ever in Copa America history that Haiti has ever scored, right? So yeah. that was a yeah. monumental. Sure. I mean, it was five-nil, five-nil at that point when they had scored that goal, but still, Haiti had something to celebrate. At least Here's about. something until that Brazil game. Uh, who got the hat trick? Uh, I don't remember. Anyways, it's not important. Here's the thing. Until that, until Brazil's game, mm-hmm. Blas Perez of MLS yes. was, was the, the leading scorer. Yeah, he was leading in the goal. He had boot two race. goals in 45 minutes. That's right. People were, Fantastic goals, by the way. Oh, those, yeah. were, those were amazing against Bolivia. And people were losing their mind, too. They're like, wait a minute, who is this Blas Perez of MLS of, of uh, Vancouver? What is He's a Canadian, but he's not. <laughs> but uh, this is blasphemy. The but, soccer it, gods have lost their minds. It is a good statement, obviously, for MLS. Sure. Uh, that, but what, what a greater statement for Blas Perez. I have discounted him several times, but he we, just... We both have. I mean, he's, he's older, but yet he just continues to play like he's a 23-year-old. He, he doesn't know when to say no. He does he is good. He's very good. Philip Coutinho, three Thank goals. Thank you. He now Thank leads you. all scorers with three goals. James Rodriguez has two. Renato Augusto has two goals. And then Blas Perez right after that with two. Now, here's the, another exciting thing about this, Baxter, is that except for Colombia, no other teams have been decided on going to the quarterfinals yet. True. That is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. Colombia, I mean, they've got six total points right now. They've got two wins. USA is technically in second place with three. You move to Group B, Brazil and Peru both have four total. Uh, they're in one and two, respectively. Ecuador has two points as well, so they still have a chance. Saying there's a chance. Uh, Mexico have three points, and Venezuela have three points as well, but they've only played one game. They will play, they, as this, when this is aired, they have already would have played. So uh, obviously that'll be a different statement at that point. Both Mexico and Venezuela uh, could either be on six points after that. Um, I, I'm curious to see Mexico-Jamaica. That's um, Well, I actually, yeah, I would have to say the most surprising result for me so far was the Venezuela 1-0 win. Over Jamaica. I actually thought Jamaica would, would, thought so would take that one. I completely agree with you on that one. We'll see what Panama and Argentina do the rest of the way as well. Chile, not really sure. I mean, they got a goal against Argentina, which is great, but at the same accord, though. Yeah, we'll see. The second round, I think, is going to be very telling, obviously, because then that sets up the third round to be very dynamic. Really a chance for that's when you go on, lose, you go home kind of a situation, which I think fans and the media live for. Absolutely. Really but, I mean, you look at Group B... I think Ecuador has a great chance of advancing. Sure. Uh, I mean, with the way they came back in that game and, and tied it up 2-2 yeah. uh, two nights ago now. But at the same accord, though, Peru has got four points. And you laughed at me a little bit when I said Peru was going to win the group. I did. I still don't think Peru is going to advance. I think Ecuador is going to beat them in advance. Because hmm. Brazil has to win. They have to go into this thinking they have to win. Yeah. Because if they were to draw, uh, or if they, if they were to lose and Ecuador beats Peru... Well, Brazil would still advance, wouldn't they? Either way, Brazil's, I think... Yeah, Brazil and Peru both are two more points ahead of Ecuador right, right now. Right, but I'm looking at goal difference, which isn't showing up on the Copa website. Gotcha. Uh, but nevertheless, I think Brazil has to go into this game with yeah. the thought that they they have to win. Um, yes. Well, if Brazil, because if, it, if they lose, mm-hmm. they have an oppor- they, there is a chance that they won't move on. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, yeah, obviously, if Brazil loses, they'll stay at four points. If Peru wins, that puts them at seven they're through, and then if Ecuador beats Haiti, which you'd which like they to should. think they should, right. they'll have five points. They hop over Brazil, and right. then Brazil's Wh- out. Which is which is why I'm saying. Sorry, I didn't I didn't actually connect this for you. Which is why I'm saying I don't think Peru will advance. 
Interesting. I think Brazil's going to beat them. I think Ecuador's going to beat Haiti. Sure. And Brazil and Ecuador still go through, as, as I had said. But we'll see. So there's, yeah. there's a prediction onto my prediction. Of course. No, absolutely. Well, I think the one thing we need to spend just a little bit of time talking about is what a lot of folks are still buzzing about. The United States putting a four-goal thrashing on Costa Rica after losing 2-0 to Colombia in that first round. Four different players scored in this game. Clint Dempsey, uh, Graham Zussi, Jermaine Jones had a beautiful shot. And I'm missing that last one. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Very memorable. Bobby Wood, that's who it was. Four different players scoring the game. And leading up to this game, everybody was peeing and emming about Kristen Pulisic, Darlington Nagby. They need to play. They, they need still to do. Play. They need to play. They do. I understand that. But then they also went out and Klinsman kind of looked at the world, gave them the middle finger, said, we're no. fine. No. He didn't play them the entire game no. and they still won 4-0. Against Listen, the team that they went played very deep in the World Cup. Th- they played a this is not the team that played in the World Cup. This is a team with a third string goalkeeper, one of their best field players being off with a red card. Don't look too much into this four zero win. They should have won this game four to zero, five to zero. Sure. Because this is not the Costa Rica of the two thousand fourteen World Cup. This is still a fairly good Costa Rica team though. If you look at the eleven players that were on the field, no. the US shouldn't have beat them for maybe no. nine players, not eleven. Well, either way though, they starting they still if nine of the starting eleven players are still fairly good players, the US should still not have put four goals when, on them. No, you have a third string goalkeeper playing, you best put four goals on them. I'm just saying back Some of those goals were savable. I do though. not celebrate. Some of those goals were savable. And they weren't saved. I understand. That's that. my point. Why? Well, yeah. <laughs> they should have put up four goals. I know. Goals. But just the quality of the finish, too, was very poor. Listen, to continue to still put four players out of position, even in this four Fabian 4-3-3. Johnson is going to finish the tournament at left back. That's the smart move. It really no, is. The smart move was to bring Jorge Villafania up. Well, yes, and play but him from at what we've got but, right but, now. But Chris Tierney should have also been here, but that's irrelevant. He's, he's been injured. Exactly. You can't, you can't way, put him. Though. He's been injured. So, but for who is here right now, it, Fabian Johnson is the smartest player at left back. I understand that, but it's stupid that you have to play him at left back with your original choices is sure. what I'm getting at. Sure, sure. So I still hold Klinsman to that. Sure, and I understand that. I mean, if you That had, opens up to get Pulisic on the field, listen, though, if though, Fabian Listen, though, if Johnson's you have, if you have Fabian Johnson playing in midfield along with Darlington Nagby. Sure. That's a very dangerous the US have midfield. Too many, I feel like the U.S. almost has too many options, though. If they continue to play this three attacking forward, we've got Wood, Zardes, and Dempsey in the middle, though. Someone's got to get kicked off the field. And it's, it shouldn't be Negby, though. It he's, should be Zardes he's, because he's the he was most, atrocious he's against be Costa Rica. He's going to be most creative midfielder that well, you I have know. on Negby's that team not right going to be up there. I'm saying with the, if they're playing like almost a 4-3-3 right now, and I'm saying with that last formation that they've used with Wood, Zardes, and, and Dempsey up top, you've got to kick one of those three off the field to bring in another attacking creative midfielder. Right. It, well, I, I think to me that's a Another mistake is sticking with that four three three. I'm actually, I will say, I'm surprised that Klinsman stuck with the same formation two games I was in a row. That's, by that too. that's historic in and of itself. It is, but Dempsey is not the same starting three as well. On right, top. but Dempsey is not a starting center forward. He's not. He's old. You, you put him in a four four two to use him yep. the best way possible. Exactly, and you put Bobby Wood in that other forward or spot. Or you play with those three forwards up top as well. But Dempsey's that center forward. He sits behind Zardes. He sits behind Bobby Wood, and he. Kind of still does the distribution, but he kind of cleans up the mess by coming through a little bit. He's not that I'm going to make a 40 yard run. He's not run a number nine. No, yeah, he's not he's a not. number nine. 
No, I completely agree. Um, so I'm, I, I've just, you know, as as you can hear from my voice, I don't put much into that 4-0 win over Costa Rica. That's what they should have done. Yes. And when you do something you should have done, you don't necessarily celebrate that. This final game against Paraguay will be the most telling test of this U.S. men's national sure. team. No, I, I agree. In Paraguay, they tied Costa Rica just a, a, a round before that nil-nil. So that kind of, and then they lost to Colombia 2-1. to one. The fact that they still even scored a goal on Colombia 2-1 to one as well raises possible questions, possible eyebrows. Is this, you know, how good is Paraguay actually? Right. I mean, they drew a team that the U.S. beat 4-0 and they only lost by one to a team the U.S. couldn't even do anything against. So Paraguay is kind of that awkward child right now saying, well, is this going to be a good kid or a bad kid? We don't know yet. Well, and again, so the U.S. should go out and beat them. And if they don't, I'm sorry. This, people can't continue to say the player pool is so shallow. Uh, not when you're looking at 2002, you go to the quarterfinals in a World Cup. Sure. Not when you're looking at 2010 when so many players were from MLS. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got well, a deeper a, player pool. This is not pool. a shallow pool. No. I don't know who's kicking around in that kitty in the side of the pool. It's not a shallow it's pool. It's the Klinsman fanboys who are. Well... And once again, though, you saw the Klinsman fanboys come out and say, look, the U.S., they were in a must-win situation, and what did Jurgen Klinsman do? He rose to the occasion again, like he did against Guatemala, isn't and it, any other time his job has been in jeopardy, and he won the game. Isn't it interesting that it's, it's the player's pool that ho- that's horrible, um, but when Klinsman loses, yeah. right, the fanboys come out and say, well, it's because of the players. Yeah. When, when the U.S. wins, they say, well, it's because of Klinsman. Yeah. Do I think Graham Zussi should be on this roster? Hell no. There's absolutely no business, Graham Zeus. He's been atrocious in MLS. He's been fairly inconsistent in the U.S. men's national team. I'm glad he got a goal. That's great. Go, yeah. Graham. Yeah. That's great. It's nice to see somebody not in the norm finally score a goal. Fantastic. All but I'm saying is why not use the players for the positions that they play for, for their club Was teams he saving that they do them so for well? a team like Paraguay, who he knows uh, he's going to get run into the ground for if he doesn't come up with a consistent lineup? I don't know. It was nice to see Kyle Beckerman not start. It was nice to see Wondolowski sure. not start. Yeah. They still made appearances later on in the game, which hey, I, helped. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with Wando coming in for those last I am too. 10 minutes Wando's or so. not a starter. Wando's a 70. He's the Alan Gordon of the U.S. men's national team. Anytime past the 70th or 80th minute, bring Wando on if you either need someone to be headhunting for a goal or be smart. Because Wando's a fairly conservative player when he's sure. passing the ball. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He's not a starter, though, at the men's national team anymore. I don't think. Well, I, and With the players that are there. I don't think so either, and I still question his call-up considering... Of course. We're looking at 2018 right now. We are, and Wando should not be on that roster. I mean, I'm trying to stay focused on the players that are here right now. I know we can say what we want to about Jorge Villafania and Chris Tierney and everybody else that is not here, but we're trying to focus on the guys that are here trying to make a name for themselves. Obviously, Wando and Dempsey, I'd be floored if they are on this World Cup roster. I hope that they're not. I don't even know if Dempsey wants to be on that World Cup roster because if he's smart, he'll realize that he won't be benefiting the team. Would he be a good, hey, I'm a veteran, I've done this a couple of times, I'm not going to start, but if you need me late in the game, maybe? Sure. Yeah, but we know That was what they wanted with Donovan, yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say, we know Klinsman doesn't, doesn't exactly. follow that but type of argument. But is Clint Dempsey more in Klinsman's pocket than Landon Donovan is? Well, it's, Those are two it's, different guys. It's always interesting to me how you know Klinsman says no no player is safe on my team, yet no matter how bad of a game Bradley may have or mm-hmm. Jones may have, they're going to start every game. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm against that or for that, but again, yes, to me, Dempsey is one of those players that has a place on this team until he basically says... I'm done. Same with Michael Bradley, too. I mean, Jermaine Jones, I mean, he's been tearing it up in MLS, which is fantastic. It's great to see him score a goal at the men's national team as well. That means that the hype has been real. 
You except know, that is, good. Except he was. I'm going to say it. He was horrible against Columbia. Jermaine Jones. Yeah, exactly. He was horrible. But that's also well, the because the entire team was horrible, though. Because look at who they played. They played one of the well, top five teams in the world. Not only that, but Jones does come out after the game and say, "Well, the way I was played today, the, the assignment I was given, uh, you know, he he had Jones and uh, Johnson both covering the same player the entire game. That you can't do that to someone no. like Jermaine Jones. No." Jermaine Jones wants to be in a one-on-one battle the entire game, and he wants to hit somebody for 90 minutes plus and then go and score a goal right. if he's able to. That's what right. he does. You don't stick a fast, speedy guy like Fabian Johnson and a rack'em, rack'em, Ralph running well, and guy that's, like that's him. That's what scares me again, uh, with this game against Paraguay is, yeah. again, players giving the wrong assignments, players being put out of position. Paraguay is going to take advantage of that just like Colombia did. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. How this all transpires, obviously, I mean, once we come on the air again next week, we will have a clear picture of who's all going to be in the quarterfinals because those start officially June 16th, which will be a day before um, we go on the air on the 17th. So we will have a better idea um, uh, of who's all going to be there, and we'll have to obviously recap one of those games, uh, which may feature the United States. So I've been negative well. this whole time, Baxter. I do want to finish this segment on a positive note. Sure. As I said, these South American teams are finally caring about what's going on in this Copa America, and uh, I think we're going to see some really exciting, maybe not the best, but some very fun soccer to be had in these next couple of days. No, here. I completely agree with you. I mean, and from what it's worth, I mean, yes, it's nice to see. You know, some different teams rising to the occasion. It's nice to see, yes, I'm saying it too, it's nice to see Mexico doing well also. Do I think they're going to win the tournament? You know, I, if, if it's not Argentina, I hope it's Mexico, for CONCACAF's sake. But we'll see. Unless it's not the U.S., right? Well, Only if it's not the U.S. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. We'll get to that point. Well, that's... Anyway, <laughs> we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we will finish up this entire crazy show. We've had so many guests and so many other exciting things as we continue to celebrate our 50th show here on 2 Up Front. We'll wrap things up with some MLS, some I Believes, and some See You Laters. We'll be right back with more on 2 Up Front right after this. No games again, right? Back here inside the studio, closing things up for our 50th edition of Two Up Front. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Simon Provan. All right, Simon. There's uh, usually the time of the show where MLS is the main focus and we go crazy on all the things that Caleb Porter and Jay Heaps and everybody else are doing, but there's no games. Bum, 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 <gasps> bum. Oh, sad. Just... Ooh, yeah, no games this week, unfortunately, for the Copa America, which is nice because those are some very needed rests for players that didn't get called up or those that did get called up a chance to showcase their sh- their skills on a national level, Absolutely. which is great. So, yeah. and uh, and it doesn't, you know, we don't get diluted teams exactly in MLS. Exactly, we could make it. We could talk about that for the NWSL a whole nother time when the Olympics are all around. But there will be a small break, but some of those teams are going to be absolutely decimated. Anyway, yes. uh, we are going to talk about the one of the segments we always enjoy doing, though. <laughs> Okay, who's the guy in that I believe that you say sounds bad? It sounds fine to me. I wasn't paying attention this week. I don't hear him. Yeah, no, right there. Oh. I believe that we were one. He just went through puberty at that exact second. Just, just hit him hard. Ah, well. Either way, it's our time for our I Believe segment before we wrap things up. Simon Proven, you, sir, can lead things off. Baxter, after one round 
Well, kind of a round. It's not a, not the full group stage yet, though. So, one round of games, some two games in the books now. I still believe Mexico's going to win this thing. Do you? Oh, I could see Argentina doing it, but I, I still, I, not looking much into that seven-one win for Brazil over Haiti. It was no. Haiti after all. Uh, Mexico looked really good against Uruguay. They put mm-hmm. in a solid showing, three to one. Hmm. So yeah, I still believe Mexico's going to win this thing. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean something similar to that, I guess. Now I'll be. Um, I believe that after fifty shows, we as a show have grown incredibly far we continue to make leaps and bounds all across the world and i am very honored and excited to have you here as my partner Likewise. for all this time and it's been a lot Thanks, of fun Baxter. i'm excited for the next 50 as well so many exciting things in the works in the near future that we are excited to either announce or just make happen and uh, we'll see what happens including once again yes. an easy website for you everybody to go to now exactly to upfrontsoccer.com yes i love it and you can find us on fridays from at 11:30 uh, central time on the Sports Podcasting Network uh, by going to sportspodcastingnetwork.com. You can also find us as well on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com as well. You can also find us on social media at 2UpfrontSoccer on Twitter. On Facebook, we are 2UpfrontSoccer. You can also email us, 2UpfrontSoccer at gmail.com, or as we were just talking about, find us on our website, 2UpfrontSoccer.com. Yes, indeed. We will be live later on today as you're listening to the show here on Friday. We'll be live tonight starting at 7 p.m., from Brenner Brewing Company in downtown Milwaukee as we will be at the Milwaukee Torrent kickoff event. Either give us a listen or come on by and say hi and meet us in person. We'd love to say hi to you as well. He's Simon Provan. I'm Baxter Colburn with our manager being the one above. We are two up front. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.